Season 2 of Lightwork Presents Everything is Connected, where we share inspiring stories with artists and art professionals on a wide range of topics, including race, work ethics, inspiration, and the ways in which art influences and is affected by culture. Join us as we continue the journey of sharing the interesting and inspiring stories of some of today's hottest artists and art professionals in the industry. Let's go! On this episode, we are joined by Jarrell Gibbs. In his vibrant paintings, Gibbs retraces family memories, examining the origin of his own life by representing intimate and instantly joyous moments. Affirming the multi-layered experience of the African-American diaspora, Gibbs plunges the viewer into an immersive experience through the realm of his childhood. Growing up in Baltimore influenced his perspective on socioeconomics, body politics, race, economic disparities, and their influence on one another. Through his figurative portraits, Gibbs invigorates representations of Black identity by depicting empathy, inviting the possibility for a spiritual connection. The works are adapted from small Polaroids into life-size paintings. Gibbs works from an archive of hundreds of family photos taken throughout the 70s and 80s from family photo albums. The Baltimore native graduated with an MFA from the Maryland Institute College of Art in 2020. His work is in the permanent collection of the Columbus Museum of Art, the Baltimore Museum of Art, and the Los Angeles Museum of Art. Gibbs is represented by Marianne Ibrahim Gallery. On this episode, we focus on self-representation, the ways in which Black artists take agency over themselves by repositioning and controlling the narrative around our multi-layered lives and experiences. Technique and Style we get into Black creativity and the unique energy and spirit seen through Black creators. Reality and perception. We recognize the difference between the reality of the lives we live and the perception the wider public has on Black life and how important it is to continue to create space for self-representation. Stereotypes. We talk about the stereotypes that define the way people think of Black life and how Jarrell's paintings work to break down those stereotypes. With this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about a few key topics that we can then dive deeper into. And the first one I'd like to get into is self-representation and your thoughts about what happens when we as people, whether that's Black people or any people in general, what happens when groups represent themselves on their own? And how does taking agency over oneself empower one to lead a better life? I think critically what you have when one has agency over their own work and they pretty much talking about their experiences and representing themselves, you have truth. And within that truth comes a lot of different nuances, a lot of different aspects and specificities that aren't portrayed if it's not that truth, if you're not within that truth. And when you have the opportunity to really talk about your experiences from a personal standpoint, as opposed to someone else doing it for you, you're allowed to go deeper. Right. And historically, and for very much of the African-American experience, so much of the way we are represented as a people in this country is through the white gaze, right? Absolutely. And, And you see a lot of within the art world, and I would say also within other industries as well, you see a lot of young BIPOC creatives and BIPOC people just deciding and sort of making a decision that, you know, I'm not going, I'm no longer going to stand in the shadow of 
of your representation of who and what I am and also what my potential is and what I can be. I would say I see a lot of people around me who are very much pro-Black in the way that they handle their business and the way that they think about their creativity. And, and also adding to that, I would say that unfortunately, because of American society and because of whiteness, when you talk about being pro-Black, it's automatically assumed that, that's, that that means you're anti-white because that's how white power works, right? If you're pro-white, inadvertently, you're anti-Black. Absolutely. Definitely. Where... Right. Whereas among the people that I know, when we speak about being pro-black, it really never has anything to do with white people. I mean, that's not the goal. (laughs) But these type of things are subtly beat into us with repetition, especially as a child through school and education. Growing up, you're fed this idea. If it's not one thing, then it's the other. If you're not good, then you're bad. Like, If it's not black, then it's white. These are things that we pick up on subtly as children over time. I feel like it goes back to like a lot of those comparisons, like that good versus bad. It's no in between that type of mentality. And it doesn't do it doesn't do us as people, as humans, any justice. And if we need anything right now within our own communities, within a multiracial society at large, is we need justice. Yeah, Point blank period. (laughs) I want to move a little bit towards within the same conversation of self-representation and taking agency over oneself, your work, your visual work and your artistic work depicts everyday moments in Black life. Why is that something that you're drawn to? Why do you think you create that way? I think that's something I really focus on documenting. One, because it's my everyday life, those moments that I capture in my paintings, I'm creating something that I've actually done. I feel those experiences are important to doc because they're my truth. They're the truth of my family and my friends. I really love the idea that I can talk about those things and validate those things. I think those, those moments are important to highlight. Everything doesn't have to be like this extravagant thing. A lot of it also has to Go back to what we were talking about earlier, this idea of agency and being able to own and control your own narrative. Our narrative isn't just one thing. Like everything isn't centered around trauma and these bad moments and experiences that is is typically captured as like a part of the Black experience. When you talk about the visual aesthetics of it, when you think about the media, when you think about just like the historical part of like being black it was always about some sort of trauma and struggle which is a part of it but at the same token it's like okay my everyday isn't that all the time we're multifaceted people you know so i think it's important not to document just one side but being able to capture every aspect of it right interesting point that you bring up because i had a conversation the other day with henry taylor and we were talking about black life and art and, you know, all the things that make conversation interesting. And one of the things that I said was there's so much love in the Black home, right? Even if there's trauma, even if there's a sense of maybe what you might call despair Mm -hmm. because of the circumstance Mm -hmm. of just being a Black person in this country, there's so much love. There's so much caring. And that's something that I've always seen in Black homes. And so... When you look out into the world, 
especially from the lens of being an African-American within America. And if you're looking at your world as America, you say to yourself, well, wait, this isn't all I am, right? There's more that I see, that I experience. There's more that I've lived through than this representation that I see of what blackness is. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. And I think it's up to us to be, it's up to us. It's up to us to capture that and talk about it and bring it to the forefront. I had a conversation with one of my classmates a few months ago, and we were talking about, well, he was pretty much like asking me, what would be the best way to reach a lot of people with this project he was working on or that he is working on? And I was like, man, just focus on home first. If every person was focused on talking about something very specific at home, and we all just focused on creating that energy at home, it would translate everywhere. You know what I mean? But I think we're so focused on being able to connect with everybody that you kind of dilute yourself. Right, right. I wanted to move forward now and talk a little bit about technique and style and ask you a few questions as regards to your formal training as an artist, things that you learned in school, things that have stayed with you and continue to influence and inform the way you approach art making. I also wanted to talk about style as integral to individual expression and how perhaps style is influenced by other artists, the things out there in the world that you see that other visual artists are creating that may or may not have an impact on how you think about your own work. Yeah, just wanted to sort of unpack some of these ideas about technique and style. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, prior to getting my master's, it was all about a message. My work was centered around telling a story. Telling a story, you know what I mean? And it's still that to this day. That hasn't changed. I'm still telling a story. But the story was about where I was mentally at the point. My paintings are always a soundboard for what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing, you know. So that's what it was prior to graduate school. During and after graduate school, it started to shift and it became more about the actual process of painting and what it is to be a painter, more specifically, as opposed to um, only focusing on telling a story. So it's like a combination of story and the technical aspect of paint, like the materiality of paint and what paint does and what it can do and the, the conversation that a viewer or the artist can have with painting itself. So it, it, it's multifaceted. Again, we are as African-Americans. You can come and look at this painting. You can get, this is the narrative behind it. Blah, blah, blah. He's talking about this, that, and the third. And you can also come into it and totally negate all of that and look at the painting for what the painting is and understand the, the dialogue that I'm having with paint, the materiality of paint. You know, that's what I came out of graduate school doing and that's where I'm at right now as it relates to technique. In forms of style, it's always about representation, representing and me seeing in my work what I want to see when I go to museums, what I want my, my daughter to see when she goes to museums and galleries and things of that nature. I want her to see people that look like her. I want her to see people that look like me. I want my family to be able to go to a museum for the first time and see like people that look like us. You know what I mean? So representation is big 
And I've also been interested in like mixture of representational and abstract as it relates to, you know, contrasts, colors, form, shapes, and things like that. I'm really interested in combining the two and making it one. So again, those things are big. Obviously the type of apparel, the way we dress is out as a people, like all of those things are very important to what I do. You know, I'm thinking about a lot of different artists that paint the way I paint. I think about, you just said Henry Taylor, he's one of my favorite. The way that he, he's not necessarily focused on the, the anatomical structure of the human, but he's like really into like painting the person, you know what I mean? And like that use of paint to suggest something. Even like when you get up on it, you look at it, you're like, wow, that's not what I thought it was. But when you back up, it kind of like materializes and turns into this thing that it's supposed to be. I'm really into that. So I think about Henry Taylor a lot. I think about Noah Davis a lot. I've really been getting into an artist. I think she's based in New York. I think her name is Jenna Gribben. I really love her work. She does exactly what it is that I'm working to do as well. I think about Velasquez. I think about what he did. I think about Henri Matisse. I think about, why is his name? Forget uh, Monet. I mean, uh, Monet and Manet. I think about both of them. Because what they did with work was they suggested things that really wasn't there. You know what I mean? And that's what, for me, that's what painting is. It's about using the medium to create something as opposed to illustrating something and and drawing it. So I would say those are the artists that are really big on my list right now as it relates to influence and really just understanding what it is they they do and trying to figure out how I can take from that and kind of make it my own. You know what I mean? Like they, they are like who I've been looking to, to continue to grow as a painter. Yes, I understand completely. And, you know, it's interesting because I think it's important to have something to aspire to, right? In any and all aspects of your life, especially if we're talking about creativity, right? Something that you're, the aspiration is about being better than yourself. It's like, how can I, be better at my game than I was yesterday. And some of that comes from looking at the masters and looking at the people who have come before you, who have sort of paved the way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you you can't know what you're doing without knowing where you came from. And I really believe in that, you know, when I know that I have to continue to do my work to grow. I'm not going to grow by just locking myself in the studio and looking at what I'm doing every day. That's not enough. For me, I have to continue to see what's being done. I have to see what people are doing as it relates to painting and new techniques and better ways to execute what I'm uh, looking to do. Definitely. With regards to this conversation on style, technique, and essentially creativity, I had this thought about Black creativity as a stylistic journey, how Black people are innately creative and how we have been able to, through unbelievable circumstances, continue to persevere and to do that with a sense of a sense of love, a sense of ambition, a sense of drive, a hunger. And I just wanted to ask your thoughts on what is black creativity to you? Does that even exist to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think everything we do is a part of like our creative being. I used to draw as a kid. Me being creative has been a part of my life from the beginning. I think about my daughter when she's in her room watching TV, reenacting scenes she's watching in the movies and dressing up, getting into character, putting on her outfit, becoming 
whoever it is that she's watching on the screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's just like it's it's within us, you know, it's it's, in, it's innate. And even if it's not something that you really value at the moment, it's something that's real. My wife Definitely. in particular, she's big on creating experiences, planning for events and things. She can do it with her eyes closed and in her sleep. And I think we kind of take that type of stuff for granted. But that is a part of it. Even if it's not something that people put on that pedestal of like being this big artist or creator. Those are the subtle things that we have that continue to feed us as creators and it allows us to feel love and you get that drive and ambition to continue to move forward. Right. Like what what you're saying is getting me, and this is personal, but it's getting me to think about living your life with a, a certain sense of knowing your worth, having a certain amount of confidence and also like living without the fear mm -hmm. and doubt that you're not capable of what it is that you want to achieve. Right, right. And I think, you know, when people have been oppressed, when people have been systematically pushed down, I think your ability to believe in everything that you're capable of, your sense of who you are, your perception of yourself can be sort of warped. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. My thing is knowing that gives me all the motivation to keep going because I know we've been systematically put in a position to not succeed. I can't allow a system to deprive me of what I know is rightfully mine, you know, and that allows me to, even if I fail in the area, I don't look at it as a failure. I look at it as a learning experience and I know what not to do moving forward. You know what I mean? Definitely. I, I, that term, I think that's a part of the system, the educational part of it. The term failure is not a failure. You're actually learning. It's not a failure. It's right. a learning experience. Right. And, you know, interesting, as you're describing that, I'm thinking about the fact that we live in a very binary world. And the conversation about gender politics and, you know, gender fluidity that society is having right now makes me question a lot of the other binaries. And it's like the equation of, you know, A equals B, right? And so that's just an example. But what I'm really talking about is that on one side, you have success. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you have failure right. and you have these two things that are polar opposites. And it's so like, if you don't have one, you inadvertently have the other. See, and that goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, that, that opposite, that whole opposites thing, or this idea of right or wrong, or this idea, this concept of black or white, that whole linear way of thinking is obsolete. It's played out. It's done. You, we cannot think like that anymore. We're way beyond that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so like for this next part of the conversation, I wanted to talk a little bit about reality and perception. And you said something earlier with regards to how we know ourselves, right? Like we know what we're capable of. We have this innate creativity as Black people. And it's interesting to, again, live in a society where if you are someone who is self-aware, if you're in a community where people have a sense of pride and a sense of culture and heritage, you know who you are and you're able to breathe life into your own experience through your creativity, through your art, mm -hmm. through your music, through your culture. And there's one particular piece of yours where you see what appear to be young black men jumping into a swimming pool. Mm -hmm. Right. And that for me personally is such a classic visual representation of a rejection of the stereotypes of Black people not being able to swim. It's like 
I'm not accepting that stereotype because this is the world I actually live in. Exactly. And so I just wanted to talk about this idea of the reality of Black life and then the perception of Black life. Yes. To go back to what we were talking about earlier, what's portrayed in the media is one thing. And to be completely honest, that is a part of our reality, but it's not the only part. And this whole idea of perception comes into play when that's the only thing that is being fed to everyone in the world. When everyone sees one side of the story on the television or on social media or whatever platform they're getting their information from, that becomes their reality to continue to demonize and continue to put us in this context that that's the only way that people look at us. And we become to see ourselves in that way because that's what's surrounding us. That's what we see. That's how people treat us. So we almost begin to believe it. You know what I mean? But the reality is that's not our day to day. Because again, for instance, I'm a painter. I'm an artist. I'm doing very well, right? But okay, so if I go out into like the art community, everyone is showing me love. When I'm at home, because I'm at home a lot and my family sees me, I'm Jarrell. I say this to say, if all you see is if, if we live this life, right? If we're at home, African-Americans, we're in home. We do this day to day. We live, we eat with our family. We pray together. We read, we love on each other. We watch TV together. We sing, we dance, et cetera, et cetera. It becomes mundane. You start to not appreciate how important and what that really means. And yeah. you go outside and you see this fake perception of reality that's on television or you see people social media dressed up but that's not the everyday reality being home with my family i'm just jarell i'm just a father to my daughter but if i step outside into that community i transform into something totally different we have to understand the importance of just living our day-to-day and documenting those things and allowing them to be enough and really creating them for what they are because it really allows us to really buy into our reality and what we truly are. We are loving people. We work hard. Whatever we do, we're doing it for our family. These are the principles that hold tight within our community. I think when we start to really see and understand that we can look at ourselves in the mirror differently and appreciate ourselves for who we truly are and really reconnect with who we are. Yeah, that reality versus uh, perception thing is big. Totally, totally. You you touched on a few different things that I'd just like to respond to before we round out the episode. And one of those is the archiving of, I would like to say the archiving of Black life, but it, it extends far beyond that. It's really not just about Blackness. It's about archiving your own life, right? And your own community and you know, whether you're Black or white or or you come from any other part of the world, that ability to record and document the things that have happened within your life and your community is something that lives on, right? It tells a story once you're gone. And it's this interesting idea that, I mean, I've been taught, like I've been listening to conversations and I've been listening to academic thinkers and writers and creatives all within the art world. And there seems to be, from some of what I've discovered, a very big and continuingly an interest, a growing interest in archiving Black life, like in the moment right now, real time. 
because we're in a, such an incredible period in human history, especially with COVID, right? Especially with what's happened with this entire year. And so, yeah, just as a thought, I wanted to ask you, why do you think it's important and, and why for you is it important for us to archive and sort of document our everyday lives? I know it to be important because perception is reality and what people see is what they believe. And if we're doing our, our job to document our everyday lives, people will see us differently. We will see ourselves differently and we can continue to grow. And I, again, when I first started, when I first found the photo albums in my aunt's basement that I tend to use as source material for my paintings, I think I use my aunt's photo albums probably like 80, 85% of the time to create a painting. Wow. And what I realized when I first started was these are all moments that no one would know about had they had I not found this photo op- these photo albums. You know what I mean? These are moments that actually existed. So I'm assuming like those photo albums. Those photos, they they probably happened within, let's say, between the 70s and the 80s. That whole portion of my family, my family's like life and experiences and journey wouldn't would not exist, you know, had it not been photographed. But to take it beyond that, it wouldn't exist to anyone else other than my family if I hadn't taken the steps to present that to the world. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I think about athlete there are always athletes being documented that's not that's a constant but the though that's the extreme that's at the top of the totem pole when you think about african-american entertainers and athletes they're always at the top of the totem pole but these experiences happen as well you know the stuff i'm documenting and they're just as important and this is stuff most people can relate to and talk about so i think it's important for us to be able to document these things I can like appreciate my family. I can appreciate my story. What's important to my family, even though we may not have a basketball player in our family, we have a grandmother that's been holding it down for 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 decades. You know what I mean? And this has been her story. So I want to talk about her story so other people yeah. can get some insight as to what she meant to me and really what she means to our community. So um, I think again, like going back to that mundane, we have to really get into appreciating because that's where life is. Yeah. And so as a last question to finish up the episode, I'd like to ask you a little bit about COVID and what are you looking forward to for the future? COVID has been up and down. I'm blessed. I'm extremely blessed. Even through the tough times, like we are absolutely blessed. I'm still breathing. You know, my family is doing well. There's been a lot of challenges but there also has been a lot of success. I did a painting for the New York Times style magazine. So that was a huge win, a huge success. That's amazing. We moved into a new space, which my family really loves. And we're able to spend time together. Because of COVID, my daughter is home with us. We really just have been loving on each other. And, you know, really I love time. that you use that expression. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, you know, that's what we do. You know, we love hard too as a people. You know, we really, and I think we have to show that. And we have to be okay with loving each other again, like saying it and really meaning it and showing it and expressing it. Because sometimes it can get difficult. It's been um a up and down year all year, but you know I'm still here and we're still blessed. So I'm grateful. Yes. Well, I love that. I mean, it sounds like throughout all of the tumultuousness of this year that you've had a good year. And, you know, it's it's always good to hear when people are doing good. 
you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think every day above ground is a good day. And again, like Without a doubt. everything is a is an experience, you know, and you have to take it for what it is. You know, I'm not it's not perfect. I'm going through it like everybody else is in certain areas. But the reality is we're all learning together and we're going to continue to get better from the experiences that come our way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, this has been a lovely episode. We've been able to make this a conversation and have that nice exchange of ideas and thoughts back and forth. So it's been so lovely, so nice to talk to you. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time to chat with me. No problem. Thank you. It's been great. You know, I really had a good time and uh, looking forward to the next time. Yes, same here. (laughs) That was our episode with Jarrell Gibbs the Baltimore native represented by Marion Ibrahim Gallery, whose illustrious paintings represent the nuance of Black families and Black lives through a series of family photo albums depicting the multi-layered experience of the African-American diaspora. I want to give a big shout out and a big thank you to Jarrell for sharing his practice, his story, and some of his personal ideas on race, creativity, and self-representation in art and in life. And it's a wrap, folks. That's our episode of Lightwork Presents Everything is Connected. Conversations on culture and current events with some of today's hottest creative contemporaries. These episodes were recorded in between New York and Miami over the past six months and reflect the times we are living in while also adding some commentary to the social, cultural, and political issues of the past year. I'm your host, Fola Shade Ologundudu, and we'll see you next time. As always, stay motivated, stay inspired, and stay up. Peace and love, y'all. We out.